Welcome in. Thank you so much for joining us on the CCA California podcast. My name is Chris, along with Kevin Nakata. Kevin, what's going on, my friend? How are you? We are in the best setting possible to do an amazing uh, podcast once again with a special guest, the voice of Southern California, and I can't wait. Uh, we are literally on the water doing this podcast. It's amazing. I know. I am super. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Guys, just as a reminder, please make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, also become a member of CCA at joincca.org, along with visiting our website at ccacalifornia.org. Without further ado, we have Mr. Pete Gray on the podcast. Pete, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, and boy, what a beautiful Southern California day we picked here, sitting on the back of field research and uh, the beautiful Konakai Marina, and... Um, I mean, what is it, about 85 degrees today, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's mid-March? Right. Eat your heart out if you're listening on the East Coast or other places, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. I, I mean, I have to say, Kevin, this is probably the most beautiful setting we've ever done a podcast. The only thing that would make it better is if we were in a particular place catching a particular fish right now. Yeah, I would <laughs> like that. That would be good. Yeah. With your with your beautiful yeah. boat, the field research, and we, the sea keeper that's in it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We, we could have been out there. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a redo out there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fish are starting to bite, and uh, we're ready to go get them, aren't we? Mm-hmm. The season is definitely kicking off. People are catching blue fin like the 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 topic it's every you know so much more popular every time we talk about it and now the fish are starting to come and man it's going to be so awesome this year when we actually have that all over again and hopefully cross fingers knocking on wood we just see even in better and better years coming forth and then you know i think that now um so many people are prepared for it so bring it on you know (laughs) yeah i can't wait for the sea samurai to get hooked up on the bow of this boat for oh sure. yeah a <laughs> couple times so far it's oh been yeah fun. no you put on a clinic last time i took <laughs> you out so we can't wait to get you back out absolutely and kevin you just came off the water too it's absolutely beautiful yes i ran over here as uh, fast <laughs> as i could on my kayak <laughs> cutting it close here <laughs> i came in real close and i was panting deep breaths when i, I walked aboard so um it is time to go fishing it is time to go fishing and uh we're all going to be a little hard to reach now and in going into the season. I like it. <laughs> Sounds it, great. It's not a bad thing. It's not, not a bad, bad thing. thing. Well, Pete, let's get into it, man. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you're the voice, the one and only Let's Talk hookup out of Southern California, but tell us a little bit, a bit about yourself, man. So, uh, I've, uh, well, I've been fishing since I was a, a, a young guy. My dad actually uh, had a boat down here at the Konakai when I was uh, seven years old. And we used to go out and chase marlin. Uh, we had first boat we had was a 38-foot Chris Craft, and then we had a 38-foot Tolly Craft. So way back when, and that's like the mid '60s, way before you guys were born. <laughs> and uh, we used to chase marlin and albacore. Remember those oh, things? Wow. Albacore and uh, <laughs> all kinds of fun, and uh, be a member of the San Diego Marlin Club and the Konakai Anglers and all that. So having the boat back here at the Konakai is almost like being home for me. It's uh, it's really great, and uh, and uh, you know, I never thought I'd be doing a fishing talk show when I was uh, fishing down here with my dad. I actually, I was, uh, you know, after college, I, I was uh, working in the veterinary field. I was selling veterinary pharmaceuticals for a number of years, and then I uh, got a job in the in the mid '70s uh, working for a radio station in Carlsbad called KKOS, no longer around. 
uh, KCEO, the AM side is still around, and uh, worked there as a sales manager for 11 years, and then started this radio show as a fun thing to do on the side, and first guy we had on the show was Bill Poole, and he comes comes to me and goes, kid, you got here something, you got something here, kid, <laughs> and so I kind of pursued it from there, took a big gulp, and uh, worked for a great guy back then, Jeff Chandler, uh, who owned the radio station, and uh, he was super cooperative and let me do this on the side, and then when it started interfering with uh, my sales job and, and the sales manager job and my salespeople that worked for me started complaining to him that I was spending too much time working on the radio show. It was time to go out to lunch with him and move on and took a big gulp and uh, started that in 1991. So um, been very fortunate in almost 31 years now to be able to uh, make that my living and, and, and certainly my passion, continue the passion of fishing and, and uh, make that a, a career. So I've been very, very fortunate. That's that's a long time to be on the radio and um, to always talk about fishing. You know, that's that's kind of a as many in magazines you might read or um, books you might read. There's always a maybe a, a hard. Uh, it's always hard to find uh, topics to go over. You know, like how do you keep it fresh? That's a good question. Fortunately, um, with saltwater fishing, we have a lot of ever ever changing conditions as you know as you both know Chris and, and Kevin um, and that's what keeps it fresh is just ever-changing conditions whether it be winter summer spring or fall uh, there's always something to talk about or anticipate what could come like for example this year bluefin tuna we hope and uh, that they're gonna come yellowtail we hope they're gonna come but what's it gonna be like are they gonna be on surface iron are they gonna be on poppers are they gonna be on the the live flyers, the, the, the artificial flyers, uh, what type of equipment are you going to need? Are they going to be 300 pounds or are they going to be 40 pounds? You know, what? So that type of thing always changes. So people want to know the knowledge. They want to know what's going on, right? And tackle-wise, um, boat-wise, uh, so whether it be a long-range boat or a sport boat, whether it be uh, traveling to Alaska, whether it be um, going on a, a, on a trip to to. British Columbia or, or down to Rancho Leonero or Palmas de Cortez in the East Cape, um, those uh, conditions always change. So, and people always want to know where is the next place. It, it amazes me too that as many years, we have a lot of people that listen to the radio show and say, God, I always wanted to go to Rancho Leonero. And, uh, but I've never been. And, and, and you know, I've been hearing John Ireland on Rancho Leonero for 25 years on the show, but they've never been. But they always think about it, right? Right. So, yeah. you know, that's. I think that's what just keeps it fresh. People always have new ideas and new ways that they want to go uh, catch some fish. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you and and now we have so many new things popping up. Like, do you remember the advent of braided line? Holy <laughs> man! Yeah, braided line. Yeah. Whoever thought of that twenty you, years ago? Right. right. And yeah. so, I, I mean, we we are in a position where we've kind of grown up with it at yeah. this mm -hmm. point. I mean, I can remember when spider wire was really a thing. Spider yeah. wire was almost the only option out there for quite a while that sure. I remember. Yeah. Um, but. Do you remember, like, literally when Braid started to hit everyone's, uh, st every store, and they were all talking about it? Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember all the naysayers, ah. right? I was just going to ask you. That <laughs> and fluorocarbon, those two advents, which, as we know, is standard of the industry now. Right. Um, 
there were so many people was like, nah, you want to stick with monofilament, you know. Uh-huh. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, maybe there is something to this braided line, right? Mm-hmm. Power Pro and all the others that came. Of course, I think it was Iser line that was the first one to kind of kick off here in Southern California. Right. It was really the big deal. And, and then uh, others have, have followed suit. Yes, so. and, and, and the thing about PowerPro nowadays that, that, you know, you can't live without something like PowerPro, especially PowerPro right. because it cuts through kelp so well. Oh, yeah. To go after fish like white sea bass, just as an example, who are literally in the kelp, if right. you never had things like PowerPro, you wouldn't be able to get those fish like you do now. Yeah. It's amazing what we've all seen and, and learned about and, and done within the last 20 years alone. Right. And 31 is the radio, radio show. I think it's really amazing that a guy like you has seen a lot of the changes in the evolution within the sport. Yes, no question. One of the big changes, of course, is what we're doing right now, a podcast, right? Yeah. You know, back in 1991 and all the way probably through the 90s, we were the only fresh source of information, right? Now, fresh information is at your fingerprints every minute, right? So, does that take away from the entertainment value that we offer? Maybe a little bit, you know, but we're still strong. We're probably stronger than we've ever been. And I think that they actually, the the social media, the advent of the internet and stuff has actually helped us because we're more accessible mm. because of podcasts, because of our podcast, because of your podcast. We're more accessible and people have a better idea of saying, yeah, I can get some good information from these things, right. so I better listen. The, the latest information. Right. Something and, that's and really... Demand. Right. And, and, yeah. and the great guests, I'll just say like, we're going to hopefully get to your level, <laughs> but the guests that you have on your show are incredibly talented. Yes. I mean, you let's just use Booger for an example. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, there's just a long list of guys that you know and you fish with. Yeah. And to, What about you? You've been a guest. I've been a guest. Yeah, I think I've been a guest five or six, seven times. You're fantastic, whether it was with Hobie or, or just as a Sea Samurai. I mean, you started out, actually coming in with Ron Lane, right? Right. As the Sea Samurai, one of his pro staff. I came in with, uh, I was 21? I was 21 when I walked in your show, so I was like almost 11 years ago. You're old, Kevin. I know. (laughs) We both all remember that. Um, We've been, everyone, well, not everyone, the younger generation seems to think that Chris and I are old, by the way. Oh, no way. Yes. What's that make me? Uh, I don't know. Ancient. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. In the last 31 years, you kind of said said it earlier, you've basically built this great following. And we see it, uh, you know, really come to life at the live remotes that you have of four or five a year and all that. Why do you think that is? Is that just basically, you know, you think everyone's thirsting for it? Or, I mean, it's got to be a lot of hard work, too, building that kind of an audience, right? Sure, absolutely, yeah. I mean, constantly. I mean, especially today, it's harder than it is today because there's so many different sources and, and, and also... Uh, avenues that you can get information so we constantly have to be in the public eye but I think what we offer is something unique and so I think that's the attraction I think it's like you know with with uh, Rick and Corey being a part of the show I mean those guys are so so knowledgeable I you know I told Ricky when we first started the show I said you know uh, let's talk hook up you and I are just the facilitators we're just the guys we're not the stars the stars are the guests that come in the show. We're just the facilitators that kind of make it happen. And if we stick to that, then we're going to be successful. We don't want to be these big egoed 
you know, celebrities or something like that. We, we want to be the guys that bring the talent to you and that you get to decide, God, this guy is a star. This, this uh, Tim Ekstrom or Frank Lopresti or Kevin Nakata or uh, Booger or whatever. Those are the guys that I really follow and I want to hear more about. So in your time that you've gotten to know, and you've mentioned some names, I can't believe I'm going to put in there with Frank Lopresti <laughs> and Booger. But anyways, um, in your time, the, the stories you've heard, What's the single most amazing story that you've heard on the radio during your interviews that you can remember and tell us about today? Single most amazing story? Yeah. Wow. Wow, that's a tough one. That's <laughs> yeah, a lot, Chris, right. I mean, how many stories are there, right? Oh my gosh. There's gotta be so many. <laughs> well, just imagine you're doing, let's, how many shows do you you do, you do so a year? So we do 104 shows a year. Right. Multiplied <laughs> oh, by wow. 31 years. Yeah, I've never done the numbers. But <laughs> shows, yeah. So I think one of the stories that Frank Lopresti told one time about, we were talking about wahoo fishing. And people always love wahoo fishing, right? He was talking about how wahoo follow the jig to the boat. And how they would sometimes they would just fly over your shoulder, and, um, and 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 I think one time he told a story about a wahoo coming in and it hit somebody's tackle box on the way in, <laughs> and and just absolutely destroyed the whole tackle station, and the, just the thought, the picture in the mind of the thought of that must have been unbelievable. Here's this wahoo with basically <laughs> slashing razor blades all over the place, right? Yeah. They're destroying all, everybody's tackle, and nobody wants to go near the thing because right. they're afraid to get get bit. So that was a good story. I, I thought I heard at some point, it was maybe on even on Let's Talk Hookup, that someone said they don't want you to reel up to the boat. They want you to stop a certain distance away when they're wahoo fishing. Right. And but, why is that? Well, if you're throwing a bomb or a surface iron or some kind of a jig, a lot of times the wahoo will follow it right to the boat. And if you wind it all the way to the boat and then, like, bring it in, wahoo, I guess, happens a lot. I never, I never saw it. But I saw them coming out of the water, and they can jump <laughs> 10 feet high, oh right? Gosh. Um, they'll follow it right over the rail. And wow. so that's a safety thing. It's like they want you to stop about at least 10 feet from the boat and just let the jig sink, and then start all over again. It probably has yeah. to do some with, something with that story. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, because it happened so many times. Right. Yeah, and people got hurt. You know, there's people that came in and, you know, imagine, like, flying teeth at 60 miles an hour, right? Yeah. <laughs> Scissor lips. Yeah. You know what they're called? Yeah. yeah. Pete, you've been doing this one, this for 31 years. I know we're, we're pretty used to all the guests, the kind of the format and all that stuff. Do you mind taking us, you know, kind of behind the scenes on, you know, what it's like to, you know, everything from scheduling out the guests all the way up to showtime? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I'm a, kind of the head cook and bottle washer for mm -hmm. Let's, Let's Talk Hook Up. Ricky and Corey <laughs> are our are, are co-hosts, so they, they their jobs, they just come in and, and, and do the show with me. Um, and of course, uh, have to host some trips sometimes to, you know, one of the tough jobs. Is Man, that's a tough King job. Kingfisher Charters, <laughs> or go on the Royal Polaris or the Raw Star, I feel bad or something for like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so everything else that you hear is pretty much done by myself, and then a few behind-the-scenes people like Adam Clark, who does our uh, our podcasts and stuff like that. But um, so 
A lot of my job, Monday through Friday, is uh, basically uh, setting up the advertising. And I've been fortunate that we have so many good long-term advertisers now that get great results that uh, I don't have to do a lot of selling anymore of advertising. I do get people that call me up and want to advertise with us and want to uh, promote their businesses and such. And you know what? If it's, it's a if it's a fit, I'll say yeah, okay, we can pursue this. But a lot of times people will call me and I'll say they'll say oh I want to do this. And I, you know, uh, I'd love to do it for you, but I just don't think we can get you the results that you can get. So um, so I, I I just say you know I think you'd be better off going to. Western Outdoor News or going to PD Outdoors or something like that. Um, but uh, so my job is uh, writing all the spots uh, that you hear, getting the spots produced, uh, basically putting together a, a, a log for the weekend shows of when those spots run, at what times, and basically formatting the show itself. And then um, the other part that uh, takes some time is lining up the guests. You know, it's. I try and, you know, we try and get some of the favorite guests off, like, maybe three times a year, but then we also try and get some fresh people in there, and that's not easy. That's probably one of the most challenging parts, is trying to keep the show fresh and uh, new, because there's, because there's not a lot of new guys that are coming into the business. Yes, yes. Actually, it's a really good point, right? And we're both old. Remember that, Chris. I'm just a reminder. <laughs> what about that? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the next generation that's coming into the sport in the industry, it's um, kind of a topic that we've hit. I think we've hit it twice now with two different. The Jim, I think we hit it last week with Jim's show. Jim Hendricks. Jim Hendricks, yes. Yeah. Yeah, who was, in fact, he reminded me, like, that guy is a great guest, because he used to be on the radio show all the time, and he was with, uh, I guess he was, um, was he with Trailer Boat Magazine now? Boat, boating Magazine, boating Saltwater Sportsman, yeah. and Some Florida Sport Fishing. Sport fishing yeah, yes. yeah. So, but but um, we talked about, well, I think we were, we're just bringing it up again, you know, it's really tough for people that are coming into fishing to get a good um, vibe from it, to, like, feel like, the community is out there to support them and that they're not being attacked from all these fronts, right? We had 30 by 30, carb, all these things that are just all these attacks. Yeah. And we've had this, we've had this um, the discussion to people, how, do, how does someone like our age, right, get more involved? What would a good suggestion be for someone that's trying to become a bigger part of the industry when they're younger? When they're younger, how do they become a bigger part of the industry? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, it happens to, to be just hard work. Find a place where you enjoy it. I mean, I that's the thing. Is, is every, it, it, it looks good from the outside, uh, but any deckhand will tell you it's a lot of hard work, right? Right. I mean, it's like, wow, I really want to work the deck or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, man, that's hard work. And you, you've done it, Chris. It's, it's yeah. not an easy game. Um, I think you need to find... A niche in what you're doing and decide whether it be working for a tackle store or working on a boat and um, and to see if that works for you uh, try it out like um, it's too bad they don't do pinheads anymore but they don't but um, I think you just kind of have to just try it and see if it, it fits your lifestyle and what you want to do if you want to take uh probably less risk on doing something yourself it's better to try to use other people's opportunity and and certainly their history to help gain more in industry uh, knowledge and support and that probably helps a lot of growth in my opinion too good good, so. good idea how many lure manufacturers have come and gone 
over the last several decades. Mm, yeah. Thousands, mm, probably thousands. thousands. Because they say, oh, I got this great lure and I want to manufacture it. And then, you know, they manufacture it and nobody wants to buy it. Mm -hmm. Or not enough sales to justify the cost. So right. you have to make sure that there's a market for it. Right. And that's a really good point about lure making too, because there's a lot of opportunity out there and everyone's got a great idea. But you just need a good rep sometimes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, like you. I'm, I'm yeah. working on it. And there's yeah. there's something to that. You know, you've got, you know, everything in life is a sale, right? Whether it's uh, your girlfriend, your wife, uh, your job, whatever. And you, you've got to learn to develop sales skills. Mm. I don't care what you're doing, whether you're a scientist or whether you're a, a, a bus driver. You know, it's like you got to learn sales skills. And I think that that's something, if I were to give advice to a young person, it's like, go read a book, go uh, learn some skills on, on selling, and see if that's a niche for you first, and if it's not, learn from those experiences and bring it to your life. Do you have a book recommendation? H have you written a book yet? <laughs> no. Um, you know... Um, One day, I, right? You're going to yeah, have to yeah, write a book. Me, yeah. <laughs> um, Zig Ziglar was always kind of my young hero when I was selling and uh, when I was uh, when I was first in the radio business I mean that that's I mean basically they just say good luck send you out on the street and you start knocking on doors and you really learn to develop some skills there and so Zig Ziglar tapes uh, tapes see yeah, I'm really <laughs> Zig Ziglar podcasts would be now right uh, would be a recommendation I don't know whether he's still doing or not but he wrote several mm -hmm. books about sales and things like that um, but it, it's he's like a, a pure sales guy um, the ultimate sales guy I ever met in my life was a guy named Joe Higgins. He's no longer with us. He was the sales manager for Western Outdoor News for uh, a number of years. And Joe, Joe was an amazing salesperson. He could sell anything to anybody. And he just had charisma. He just had that act. And everybody loved Joe. And I think that that's one of the things, too, is you've got to be liked. I mean, if you're going to be... Um, in a sales thing or no matter what you're doing be nice to people be kind to people and don't just look for what's in it for you look what's in it for everybody yes you know you'd mentioned the tapes and, and the books and all that information nowadays I mean you just talked about it it's at your fingertips right. all the time too so in terms of you know whether it's learning a new skill on the boat or actually just going fishing or learning a new technique or whatnot I mean, it's pretty easy nowadays. For sure, yeah. it's right there for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, how do you become a better fisherman? How, what is what is the best way to become a better fisherman? Time on the water. Yes. It really can't be one. beaten. Number yeah. one, yeah. But you also have to have the knowledge to when the opportunities come, right? That you can learn from them when you're on the water. Right. Yeah. It, it is. It is a one thing to be on the water. But it's a totally different thing to apply what you've learned on the water. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and every day is different. Mm -hmm. Whether you have a red tide like now, or you know, three months from now, it's crystal blue water. Yeah. You got to be able to adjust and adapt. And that's so. why you spend so much time on the water. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what makes that, you good. I think that's I mean, the three that, of that's us. Absolutely. That's why we spend so much time. Yeah. On the water. I mean, I, I wish I could spend more time on the water because I. Feel You're like, on the water, Pete. Well, we're on the water right now. Yeah, on the back deck of field research for sure. Well, speaking of field research, tell us about it. Um, you know, uh, I've had field research for about six years now. Uh, she's a 1976 uh, 36 
1976. Think about that. Yeah, wow. 36 foot Pacifica. Um, beautiful boat. In beautiful Coast, condition. Yeah, built in Costa Mesa. And um, Pacifica was in business, I think, for about 12, 15 years, something like that. They, the most popular model they built was the 44. Uh, they built, I think, uh, 13 or 15 36s like this. They built, I think, over 144s, and they built some 50s and some 40s, and I may be missing some that they built, too. But um, they basically were like one of the ultimate fiberglass hulls. And, and they look at the hull on this thing. It is thick, and it's, uh, it's strong, and it rides amazing. It's just a, um, uh, just a big 36-foot boat. But an old boat, like any boat, you need to take care of it, right? And when I got it, it was in okay condition, not great, and I put a lot of money and time and energy and, you know, I know every square inch of this boat. So, um, it, she's a, she's an amazing boat to fish on and to enjoy and she's got, um, uh, two and a half years ago I put new, um, uh, new uh, Cummins engines in her, uh, 380 Cummins 5.4s and um, I put a sea keeper in her about yeah. three years ago, which you've experienced. Mm, man. Pretty awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome to have a sea keeper and a new generator. I mean, basically almost everything on this boat is new. But you have just put my newest addition is the new Pacific Edge bait tank I'm sitting next to. I see to. that. Yeah. Yes. An extra, so two bait tanks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mark Wish told me, he says, your Pacifica is the only boat, the only 36 Pacific I know that only has one bait tank. And I said, well, we need to change that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we used all the bait the last time we did tuna yeah. together. I mean, we ran through it, and we had biting 40-pound yeah. yellowfin in the corner. we didn't have this. No, we didn't have yeah. that yet. No. So yeah, you didn't have that Next time we yet. go, <laughs> yeah, we'll have that. Excellent. I mean, Pacific is kind of really sought after, too, right? I yeah. mean, I know the 44 out there, and... No, the Limitless out of out of uh, Dana Landing. That's right. a little Pacifica. Yeah, really solid boats. Yeah, they're great boats. Yeah, they're really solid rides and uh, and 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 well built. I mean, they just like the old story. They don't build them like the like <laughs> they used to, right? Especially when it comes to fiberglass, right? Because because of EPA changes and stuff like that, they can't do things that they used to do and. They did them in Pacifica in Costa Mesa in 1976. Thank God. <laughs> so, so Pacifica and the and the Skipjack Company weren't they around at the same time in the same area? As I, Costa Mesa. I think so. Yeah, there was um, a Crystal Liner was another kind of offshoot of Pacifica. Mm. And then, actually, from what I was told, is when Pacifica went out of business, that Cabo bought the whole mold. Oh wow! Mm. For the 36, and that's. The basic hull mold of the 35 Cabo is from the 36 Cabo. The, that's huh. what they kind of used as a basis. That's it's good boat knowledge. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You should become a boat historian one day. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> a lot of people that know. Talk to Pete Grosbeck about that kind of stuff. That's a guy you should have on the show. Pete's yeah. Yeah. super knowledgeable about uh, about fishing and boats and everything else. If you can corner Pete, he's, he's great. I remember stories about Pete. Um, I was actually good good buddies with his brother, uh, Jimmy Grosbeck, when I went to Cabrillo Elementary School in uh, fifth and sixth grade in here in Point Loma. And um, we used to go down and watch his brother, who was a couple years older than he was, come in and bring Marlin in oh, yeah. off of his uh, you know, skiff, like I think it was called the Bacaruda. He'd, he'd bring more Marlin in than the big yachts would bring in constantly. And Pete was like, quickly became an icon here in Sun, in San Diego and Southern California when it comes to marlin fishing or just fishing in general. That's awesome. Yeah. Pete, when you take out field research in the springtime, summertime and all that, what are you typically fishing? What's your favorite kind of trip? 
you know, I love yellowtail fishing at the Coronado Islands. Mm -hmm. Last year, wasn't so great, right? Mm -hmm. We had kind of a tough year, and that was disappointing. But I just love fishing the Coronado Islands for yellowtail and, uh, you know, throwing surface iron, yo-yo, bait, uh, whatever. Um, that, And I do also love uh, calico bass fishing. Um, of course, I, I fortunately get to go out with the Master Corey once in a while oh, yeah. and get lessons from him about about really doing it. And and Corey's the kind of guy that you you realize how what a poor calico angler you really are <laughs> when you watch him in action because he can catch fish when nobody else can. Mm. He's, he's that good. Yeah, mm. he's that good. But um, uh, I do love tuna fishing. Um, I love the pursuit of tuna. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes not so much. So I love catching tuna and I, and, and both yellowfin, bluefin. Um, and uh, and I actually, I, I really, thanks to the advent of um, braided lines, I love rockfish fishing. Oh, too. yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, whether it be deep or shallow water, rockfish fishing is a blast with uh, light tackle and braided line. And you can do it year-round. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm -hmm. here in San Diego. I mean, right. Because we, we, we don't have the January-February closure in Mexican waters. So, right. Yeah, so that, those are kind of... And I do love trout fishing, too, um, on the fly. I'm going to Montana here in a couple of weeks to go fish with a buddy, Paul Lepore, who's a Southern California guy. Um, Paul, uh, Paul now lives in, uh, there, and we're going to go fish the Missouri River. So I do love fly fishing for trout on the fly. And I do a little bit of bass fishing only when I have to. Fresh I thought you. I thought you. I heard. I heard you went to El Salto. Yes. Yeah. El Salto. That's <laughs> I mean, that's not. That's that, not like a little bit of bass yeah. fishing. That's hardcore bass yeah. fishing yeah. in El Salto. Oh yeah, yeah. No, El Salto is great, and that's the kind of bass fishing I like when they bite. Right? <laughs> <laughs> What's well, a world class fishery, and it's definitely got. Every, I'm, I'm now. I have never been. Yeah. But you can. It's cool. Really. Yeah, and it's not as good as it used to be, just because of pressure. Right. When I first went there. 15, 20 years ago, it was unbelievable. It was wow. amazing. Now there's, there was one lodge then, and maybe 10 boats on the lake. Now there's 50 boats on the lake, and, and, and five or six lodges. And they're always going out. And there, it seems like it, yeah. yeah. Hmm. That's another guy. Corey is the guy to ask about that, because Corey loves El Salto. Hmm. And he goes in the summer when it's blazing hot, oh, yeah. and he catches a lot of fish. That's so awesome. Yeah. So, now that you're, let's say, uh, freed up and, and getting ready to go into the season, are you going to do the big bluefin again? Is that is that becoming a passion of yours, or is it just a side thing right now? I, I do like chasing the big bluefin. I certainly hope they come a little closer this year than they, mm. they were last year. Right. Because those long runs, especially with fuel prices now, are going to be challenging. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I, I love catching. I love chasing big fish. At my age now, I like watching other people pull on the big fish, right? Or hooking and handing, that kind of thing. Or seeing but, one blow up. Or seeing up. one blow up. That is, oh, is there anything more exciting than I that? I don't know. Yeah, watching the, 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 a big bluefin blow up on the kite uh, on, on, on a flyer, there's nothing better than that. I, 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 I don't think there is. Yeah. If there was a thing, uh, there would be a lot more people doing that other thing than going on a sport boat right. and trying to catch one on a flyer. Yeah. But, but, the important thing to remember is that it's not always guaranteed. You go out there and you're spending how many days looking for it or figuring it out, and then you got the streak of two weeks, or whatever it may be, that you yeah. just so happen to be on. And so there's a lot of guys that do it, and they do it very well. But there's a lot of us sitting here at the dock that are just listening hearsay, and we're not out there every day. So we gotta 
figure it out even crazy better. Like, we have to be way on top of our game to be able to go out there and be on it, you know? No doubt. And that's the thing, is you look at the guys that are out there all the time, Brandon Hayward and uh, Dwayne Diego and stuff, and it's like, these guys are getting them. Mm -hmm. But you also don't see the days that they're not getting them. Right. right. They're only talking about the days they're getting them. Putting in the but, work and the time. The, the time and the work, and that's what you have to do. And, I mean, for those of us that have jobs and careers, that's a challenging thing to do. But, but I Pete, love our job lucky. is the fishing industry, that's doesn't right. it? Yeah. Don't we have always to fish. fish? We have yeah. to go fishing. It's our job, yeah. yeah. Pete, you had mentioned earlier about how, you know, you kind of enjoy watching other people pull on fish and putting people on fish on field research and, and all that stuff. How important of a role does that really play on expanding the sport that we love? You know, um, I think that that's something that anybody that's been fishing a long time would have a passion for. I mean, I mean, guys that fish all the time, are they the guys that are, are if they're not commercial fishing, are they the guys really wanting to pull on the fish? I don't think so. I think uh, guys like Frank Lopresti and Tim Ekstrom and uh, Randy Toussaint and you know legendary captains, uh, you know that have probably Boston. seen most of all of it. Yeah, not to say that they don't love to go throw the surface iron or love to go make a cast on a bait and hook a fish. Absolutely, they if they didn't love doing that, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. But the, again, um, I think that the joy a lot of times I know for me and for uh, anybody that's spent a lot of time on the water. For you, probably Kevin too, and for you, Chris too, is watching people get hooked up, right? I, I do. Sorry if you're about to say the same thing, but I really like to watch people if it's their first time, especially. Yeah. There's nothing better than watching them get absolutely smashed by a yellowtail on live bait <laughs> or a bluefin for seeing the the blow up for their first time. Yeah. I mean, they just they just have no idea. Yeah. They have no idea what's coming, and then they it happens, and and they have this this about five second delay where they're like in disbelief yeah you know and like, i think what is going on <laughs> yeah their lines coming off the yeah. reel and there's everyone's freaking out and they're just kind of like is this happening yeah and and i love that you know and that's the that's the passion that every, i think a lot of people that stay in the industry they have to have that because it just can't always be about you pulling on fish all the time absolutely I personally enjoy the uh, the little kids at the bait barge on your boat that are just going over the crazy, uh, oh, going yeah. crazy over the live bait that we get. Sure, that's, uh, that's dipping cool. their hands, sunscreen all into the oh yeah, yeah well. sunscreen that they've never seen before, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. No, it's cool. And we see that a lot on um, the, the Friends of Roller trips too that we go right. on too with all the volunteering and and all that. Such a great organization with that one too. Oh, absolutely. and you're a big part of that too, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, on the board of directors with them, and we do a lot of fundraising projects for Friends of Rolla. That's one thing that uh, you know I was fortunate enough to know Captain Rolla Hine very well such a great guy and he loved loved kids you know he loved teaching people fishing whether it be kids or adults and uh when they started uh, after his death when they started uh, friends of rollo um it was uh yeah i want to be a part of that i want to i want to i want to help take kids fishing and we've taken uh, well over a hundred thousand kids wow fishing now yeah. and raised a lot of money i mean credit to uh, mike lum tim baker harold davis they put a lot of time and energy and and have their efforts in it and without those guys it wouldn't be possible and of course Frank Lopresti started a lot of it and has done a lot of fundraising and is active too still with friends of Rollo and of course he and Rollo was like his son so it's a, it's certainly good good for him to 
um, to remember Rallo in, in, a, in a good way that way. How long has that uh, organization been around? So uh, Friends of Rallo has been around, I'm, I, I'm going to say 20 years, but I'd, I'm not really exactly sure. I, I'd have to look at, uh, I can't remember when, uh, when Captain Rallo Hine passed away, but I think it was in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. Wow. But that was, it was started soon after uh, his death. Even then, that's still a lot of kids over. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. Yeah, and it's been tough, you know. There's been ups and downs with the organization, very tough to get funding. But a lot of times when you show the pictures of the kids going fishing and you talk about all this money that you're donating, this tackle, the used tackle that you're donating is going to all go to taking kids fishing, people get into that. That's really cool. And I it's, think it's great. It's probably stuck with them now as they're growing yeah. up and they're starting to become more involved with whatever it may be. Let's just say they're 30 years old now yeah. and they're talking more about supporting the industry and getting more involved. Um, you know, all these kids had to have a base. They had yeah. to have something they started fishing with, like whether yeah. it's a bluegill or a bonita, something that is gravitated them to make sure that they have always had this resource for their themselves and for their kids in the future. We're yeah. talking 100 years from now. No question about it, yeah. And you know, it's funny, um, a few years ago we had to change the name. It's a 501c3 charitable organization, just like CCA is. Um, we had to change the name to Captain Rollo Kids at Sea. Everybody still calls it Friends of Rollo, and, mm -hmm. and the uh, website is rollokids.org. Uh, but we had to change the name Captain Rollo's Kids at Sea in order to get grant money. Mm. There's a lot of grant mm. money available, and you go to somebody and say, hey, I want you to give me some money for Friends of Rollo. It's like, well, what's that? You want to go to somebody for grant money and you say, I want you to give uh, a grant to Captain Rollo's Kids at Sea. Oh, is that you taking kids out on the water? Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. that it makes sense, sense though. Been, and it's been successful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Pete, with all of the let's talk hook up the sponsors and, and all that the people that you work with you have quite a bit of golden opportunities and really unique opportunities to travel all over the place to go fishing i'm kind of curious out of all those experiences that you've been able to uh, to experience over the last 30 years any of the any ones in particular that kind of stand out to you you know there was a guy that used to be a part of our show called harry guaco and he was a travel expert. And he used to always say, my next trip. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I'm gonna say I love all kinds of fish. I love long range fishing. Mm -hmm. um, I love local fishing. Um, I mean, being here in San Diego, like, I've, you know, a lot of people we know have moved out of state. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm sick of California politics. Now nah, he's like, oh, good for you. See you later. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. You'll come I mean, back for the Yelltail. <laughs> yeah, I come back right here to be on the water here and sitting here on an 80 degree day mm. on the back deck of field research. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's worth paying $6 a gallon for gas and and, uh, and paying all those high taxes, you know. But mm -hmm. but that, that the politics aside, um, you know, uh, I, love, I love the East Cape. Uh, it's a great place, Rancho Leonero, Palmas de Cortez, because it's fun. You know, it's not all about the fishing down there. It's just about the, the Mexico atmosphere, um, just being a, a part of Mexico and the, the super nice people down there. And, and, and um, 
Alaska. I do love Alaska. And uh, going to Kingfisher Charters. We're going to be going for our 26th year to Kingfisher Charters this year. Wow. 26th year at the Rancho Leonero this year for our tournament. That's amazing. Yeah. But another place that I really love to go that it's not... It's, it's our virtually our only non-saltwater destination is Katmai Lodge. Mm. And uh, uh, it's on the Bristol Bay in Alaska because it's such a different experience. Fly fishing, conventional fishing, both both uh, for salmon and um, trout. The trout there are just enormous, and they pull. <laughs> they pull like no other trout you've ever hooked, for sure. They they pull hard. Char, uh, Arctic char, yeah, you can catch uh -huh. char, Dolly Varden, stuff like that. But it's just the scenery, the the experience up there, and they, you know. As we all know, fishing's not all about catching, right? It's all about the experience and, and not just the catching for anybody that does a lot of fishing. And if it's a good experience where you can be with nature, like being out on the ocean, right? I mean, if we were out there to just go catch all the time, it would kind of get a little boring. But you see something new every single day when you're out on the water, right? Like you, Kevin, when you were out on La Jolla If today. you could catch every day... And if it was a 300-pound bluefin, yeah. I would never get bored of that, Pete. Yeah, no yeah, one would get bored of that. Yeah, Maybe that. someone that's pulling on it. Yeah. I still like to pull yeah, on yeah. them, but yeah. man, that would be to fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just the experience of whether it be whales or dolphins True. or um, whatever. You see a, a spot of bluefin popping out of the water. I think Always experience. Yellowtail, whatever. The, 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 the coolest thing we have access to is the Nat Geo we tap right into it. Yes. We're, we are able to see the footage on, yeah. like, live. Like, we're yeah. not, we don't just see it through a camera lens or recording, you know. This is a, a beautiful thing you get to witness, you know. You right. get to see the, the, the predators being predators. And you get to see the prey being prey. And you get to see everything else around it just happen. Right. And you're just so happy to be in the little boat compared to the big ocean watching it all. Right. Yeah. You know, that that is cool that we are able to see that. Yeah. It's it not is. like a regular occurrence. People yeah. get this. We're fishermen, right? We get right. to go out, let's just say, at a bar. And we're talking to someone. And you tell them, oh, yeah, I'm a fisherman. And you tell them about the bluefin foamers. And they're just like right over their head. Right. They have no idea what we're talking about. But we get to see it. You know, sometimes on a regular Almost basis. Plus, if you talk about, wow, we saw this really cool pot of dolphins. Right. Wow, that's cool. I'd right. love to see that, right? Yes, yes. You know, something we see every day. It's like, oh, yeah, it's a pot of dolphins. <laughs> that is funny. Right? I kind of just brush yeah. it off. Yeah. One of the coolest things I've ever seen, and this kind of goes with every day is different on the ocean, is was, a, I think it was about three years ago. We were uh, fishing for bluefin off of San Clemente, and um, Captain Dave Hansen, called me into us. He says, he says, there's a lot of fish over here. Come on over. We, we were, weren't far away, five miles away or something like that. We got into this area and there was a foamer of all cows, all two to 300 pound bluefin, just foaming on the water, like an acre of it. It was unbelievable. And in the middle of that foamer was a blue whale. Oh. A blue whale feeding on that same ball of anchovies. Wow. It was unbelievable. Yeah. We hooked two. <laughs> Pulled on one for two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, we hooked them on live bait. We couldn't get the flyer in, in there mm -hmm. uh, on the heavy tackle, so we put out 100-pound light tackle. Hooked two of them, lost one, and then pulled on one for two, 245 and lost it a couple. So. Oh. But it was still that sight, to see that sight with that blue whale and that and that uh, 
that foamer of giants. It was, I'll never forget that in my eye. And the backdrop of the island? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I can almost visualize that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have yet to see the blue whale with the fish happen. Yeah. I've, I've only... It's the only time I ever saw it. Man. Yeah, it was That's unreal. Cool. Yeah. So, Pete, with, you know, I think we dabbled into it a little bit earlier, but in your view, you've done a lot to help out the whole industry itself, but also the future the future of the industry. Um, I know the last, I think last week or the week before that, you just had um, Gavin and Matt from Captain Concepts yes. and those guys, and Taro is a regular and all that mm-hmm. stuff, all these younger guys. Um, what's the future of fishing holding for us? Is it pretty bright in your eyes? That's a tough question. <laughs> um, I think that, um, I think, uh, Sand, you know, more regulations from either the California Department of Fish and Game or, or um, the, the, the state of California or Mexico uh, putting damper on, on uh, closing islands and things like that. Um, you know, it's hard to say, Chris. I mean, if, 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 you know, if something turns sideways in Mexico, uh, you know, that's going to be challenging. It's going to be trouble. Um, I think that as far as fish populations, I think we're doing a way better job than we ever have of keeping things good. I think the 14-inch calico limit was brilliant, and it, it, it's obviously working because fishing's better for calicos now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that uh, you know the one-fish limit during the, the breeding season for um, for white sea bass is great. The only thing I'd like to see for that white sea bass thing is to put a limit on commercial guys when. Um, rather than being wide open to let them catch as many white sea bass as they can uh, during after the the, the the June 15th closure or op- opens up would be really help protect that species um, I think that the two fish limit on the bluefin thing which everybody fought I think it's turned out to be a great thing because mm-hmm. everybody's figuring out you know we don't need more than two, right? That's fine. That's all we need. And just to be able to have the opportunity to fish more and look at the population. I don't know if it's because of the two fish population, but I can certainly tell you it's because there was a regulations to, to, to uh, shorten the season for and put quotas on the commercial guys. I can say for sure that certainly helped, right? Whether the impact of taking 10 fish versus two fish on the sport fishing industry, yeah, I mean, it's got to help, right? So I think, as far as to answer that question, I, I think our future um, is, is bright as long as we're, we keep access. I mean, look at the, the, that's the thing, is that all the access that we have ha- are starting to get denied, the, the, um, the uh, MLPAs and such like that. I mean, you know, we as fishermen know that they're not really doing that much good, but if they keep doing that, and in restricting our access to fishing, it's it's not it's not good for the future. Yeah, and you know all those things that you just described in terms of you know limit increases, decreases, and all that. It's all this overlying theme of management versus conservation versus preservation. Yeah, and all those are really good good points. What you just outlined for yeah. sure. Yeah, and, and, and we have all said it many, many times before. We are the conservationists. We are the people that really care about the ocean and the resource and what's going on out there. And we can be a watchdog for people that are raping the ocean. 
And I think the same thing happens down at the Ribeiros Islands, down in Mexico, or some of the real remote places. We can help be a watchdog for Mexico if we're at these islands and make sure that the commercial people take within their limits and such like that, rather than just taking as many as they can, because they can't. There's nobody to watch. Same thing with going on here, whether you're at San Clemente Island or offshore. You know, we can be the watchdogs for people if we police ourselves and show and demonstrate to extreme environmental groups that we can be better watchdogs than they are. Mm. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of looking out for the future and the watchdogs and all that, you serve as a board member for CCA California, yes. which we're super happy to have you. You're also a part of the uh, marketing community, as is Kevin. Um, you know, how important is it for you to become a part of CCA? CCA is our future, absolutely. I mean, look at the, all the things that CCA has been involved in over the years. You know, you and Wayne do such a fantastic job, and you have a, a job that I certainly never would want because <laughs> you work 724. I mean, it just never stops, and there's always something going on. And I also, I'm not really that into politics, and you guys really keep a political watchdog on things, whether it be Sacramento or, or nationally with uh, CCA National. Um, I think CCA is vital for California, for our future of fishing, mm -hmm. and everybody should be involved. When, um, you know, I think some of the things that people may not see because they just don't hear about, now we have a podcast, I'm sure they'll hear more about this, but some of the things that CCA has been involved in, one of the biggest ones, I think, is um, the implementation of a 365-day fishing license at some point um, versus the calendar year. Do you think that's going to do a lot of justice and, and give us more people fishing because they're going to get more out of their, you know, $50, $60 worth of a license? Look, California is so behind the times, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. Look at what they did with the lobster report card. They had a annual lobster report card, and then they figured out, well, this doesn't make any sense because the season overlaps into two seasons, right? Right. Now they have a seasonal report card. Well... Same thing goes with the calendar year. I mean, most states that are intelligent have already done that. <laughs> and, and California is on the verge of finally, thanks to some good, good work by CCA and Wayne and Chris and such, and some legislatures too, finally on the verge of doing the right thing and having an annual license. And it's going to bring more revenue to the state because people are, rather than in December, they're going to go, I'm not going to buy an annual license. I'm just going to wait. And then they never end up buying a license. They can buy it right there, and it's good till the next December. Right. right? And that makes so much more sense. Mexico, same thing. You buy it, you buy it one day, it's good for the whole year. Florida. I, I, the list yeah. goes on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's going to bring a lot more people to buying licenses and not having to wait, you know? Do, do you think that the, it is certain that we're going to have more people buy licenses because of that, though? No question. Okay. I mean, why wouldn't they? Right. I mean, it's it, like I said, if somebody's on the verge, like, I'm not going to spend $60 to buy a license. I want to fish for the next week, but I'm not going to pay $60 for a license that's only good for a month. If it's good for a year, why not? 
Right. And we're also believers that everyone that has a fishing license should also have a CCA membership because we're trying, we're doing what you don't want to do, which is to go fight for you. We want to make sure that your future is saved. We want to make sure that all these things for your kids and the next generations after will have fishing for the future and we'll have better fish stocks and all these other things that come along with it and still have sport boats to go out and fish off of. You know, all these things that we're fighting for, it's all involved. CCA is a great uh, organization to get involved with at any level, especially joining a local chapter. San Diego's got a chapter, Orange County. Um, there's an Inland Empire uh, chapter everywhere. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm sure the list will go and get bigger and bigger, but the more people get involved, the better. Um, but let's just say three million people got involved, really, with CCA. That's a lot of voice. Yeah. That's a lot of community, and that's a lot of people that should care about it. If they're buying fishing license in the first place, there's a lot of people that should care about the fisheries that we all fish in. Yes, absolutely. So yeah. the more I mean, people get involved, the better. Yep. It, I mean, you're exactly right, Kevin. It's it, it just goes to show the more members we have, the more fundraising we can do, the more resources we can have. You know, there could be, you know, obviously no one's going to replace Wayne. Wayne's a whole different character. But, you know, there could be three or four more of me's or, or all of us's to get, to pretty much go fight that fight, both in Sacramento and in D.C. You have so much more power. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, if you're a fisherman, especially if you're an avid fisherman and you're not a member of CCA, it's a shame on you. Because this is the organization that's fighting to save your right to go fishing. And, there's, and and every single day, somebody wants to take that right away. It's $35 a year to join. Right. And and also, if you're a member of CCA, don't be afraid of uh, throwing in a, a little extra, too. I, I do it. I mean, every month, my credit card gets dinged for 10 bucks. Mm -hmm. Big deal. Never miss it, right? It just see it on my credit card statement. 10 bucks. And if everybody did 10 bucks a month, think about how much more money we'd have to go fight the good fight. Mm -hmm. That's right. Or do events or, you know, purchase tickets for right. Pacific Coast, uh, the Sportfish, the PCS show. Right. And yeah. you can go over there and I bought my tickets through, I literally re-signed my, I'm, I'm a lifetime member, so I, I re-signed my annual membership anyways because, you know, why not? And I got tickets and I got some awesome swag. I got a great shirt out of it. And there's things that you can just do as a contributor, even if you're a lifetime member or you know, annual member, that helps support in all sorts of ways. $35 an extra little bit goes a lot long way and it's it all goes to a great uh, re we all have a good reason for it it's not like you're just going and putting money in and contributing to something that doesn't have your best interest in for it we're here we're fishermen you have the three of us are talking here talking about fishing for over what an hour and a half you know mm -hmm. we care about this this right. is something very important absolutely so Pete we have for in for us since here in San Diego on June 18th we have our San Diego Chapter Banquet, a great opportunity for those of us to come on down. It's actually going to be a beer fest. Um, also, super And that's special. at the Portuguese Hall? Portuguese Hall. Which is a great location. Oh, yeah. yeah. June 18th. Also, most notably, that's where we're going to be giving the 2022 uh, Anthony Shea Conservation Award to Fantastic. Mr. Bob Fletcher. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. I think it's Bob and Ann. Bob and Ann, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ann, his wife, who passed away a couple mm -hmm. years ago, was instrumental in the work that Bob did. And she, with SAC, did a lot of things there. And Bob and Ann are, were, are very close friends of mine. And Bob has worked so hard, as did Ann, too, when she was alive, to help make things better for fishermen. 
uh, you kind of led led right into it. But Bob, Bob and Ann had you know probably a pretty good impact on you, right? Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean Bob, Bob still does. I mean he yeah. he um, he's kind of a watchdog, you know. And mm -hmm. when, when he was with Sack, if I missed cued on something on the show, he'd he'd be on the phone in the next. 30 seconds and saying, you know, you missed this, Pete, and uh, he'd, uh, he'd, get, he'd, he'd straighten out the whole thing there, and uh, you know, he's the, we call him our guardian angel because that's what he is, and uh, he does so much good stuff uh, and so knowledgeable about everything. Don't give Chris any ideas, you know? He might be calling the show and telling you okay. things from CCA. Hey, you know what? Like I say, Ricky and I and Corey are just the facilitators. We're not the stars. The stars are guys like you and Chris and the people that contribute to the show, the callers, the texters, all those people. Those are the stars. That's the real deal. Well, speaking of Let's Talk Hookup, what, uh, what does the future hold for the show? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm 66 years old, be 67 this year. And, um, I, you know, I, I think I'm just going to keep going. I, I was thinking about, well, maybe I'll go to one day a week or something like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to work as hard as I have been. But if I can figure that out and be able to uh, slow down a little bit and keep things rolling, I mean, I can't think of anything that's more fun than talking about fishing on the weekends, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll get you to do some YouTube videos off the back of the field research. Yeah, I like that. Idea. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I mean, what a better platform, you know, yeah. to go out there and just watch some amazing footage and get some amazing footage and just have fun. Yeah, I think we need to do that. Well, that's why we call it field research, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing a future podcast episode here. Yeah. Well, you know, I, okay, so just, I this is off topic. Well, actually on topic, but this is like something I didn't plan on talking about. I have, honestly, I've been dreaming about doing a podcast on the water and like with fish biting. Like, wow. I, yeah, I think That'd that would be, cool. be awesome. Yeah. We'd be distracted. <laughs> yeah, no a little bit distracted. But, you know, if we had fish yeah, in the corner. Yeah, how in the world, if they're boiling in the corner, are we going to keep you in a chair in front of a mic? <laughs> okay, seriously? I don't know. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think we, you know, if we had, if we were up in the fly bridge and we were up there just hanging out, yeah. we, I think that would definitely be... A good place to hang out and watch yeah. people hook up. Yeah, that would be fun. People throw somebody throwing slow ones in the corner, yeah. and people hooking up, and we're just hanging out watching. I think and talking. Like yeah. yeah, we just need a desk up there. We'll do like play by play and all yeah, that, but yeah. we're watching everyone fish. That'd be fun. That'd be cool. Yeah, That'd be really cool. Okay, well, everyone said yes, so one day we're gonna have to plan <laughs> right, for we'll it. We'll do it. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I can't thank you enough, man, for joining. Thank sure. you so much. Yeah. Any, uh, any shout-outs you want to give? Any? Uh, how do we get to listen to you on the radio and and uh, go over the app, too? Yeah, sure, of course. Uh, this weekend, Saturday, Sunday, a couple of great shows. Saturday, our good buddy Ron Lane from Fastlane Kayaks, oh. who's always full of knowledge and excitement, excitement. when he comes in. Uh, he's always he's going to be on the show Saturday and Sunday. We have uh, Valerie from Queen Charlotte Safaris, a lovely lady that runs a lodge up in British Columbia. Um, she's had a lot of challenges with her business because of... Uh, of the COVID restrictions in British Columbia and stuff like that, but she's she's a fighter and she's uh, a survivor and she's going to tell us about what a, what an amazing place that place is. I mean, like the largest king salmon you've ever seen. Ooh. I mean, just like biting big king.
things up there. Yeah. So that's this weekend and every weekend, um, you know, you can hear us uh, on the Let's Talk Hookup app, which is a free download either in the Google Play Store or the App Store. Um, we uh, archive all our shows and so that you can podcast them on demand anytime. And of course, our website, letstalkhookup.com. Uh, same thing. You can uh, listen to the podcast on the website, uh, find out more information about all our trips that we sponsor on the trips page. And Come join us on a trip. There's nothing more fun than that. And call into the show and text the show. Yes, it's awesome. Yes, yeah, the yeah. app allows you to go ahead and get those calls in and to text, and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I've done it many times, and I think it's so much fun to be part of the show. Like you're just not just a listener. You can you have great prizes too yeah. on occasion. I mean, there is some most weekends you get, you're giving away something pretty awesome. Some great trips stuff. and. Yeah. Close to sunglasses. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. I mean, High quality sunglasses right yeah. there. So I'm yeah, wearing mine. Stuff. Yeah, we're all wearing Costas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and you know what's fun, too, is that uh, the participation of the, of the audience, the callers, the texters. Actually, Adam Clark, who's our web guy, he does all our podcasting and all our app stuff. He came up with the idea of the text, and it's been a really a great benefit to the show. So you can only text through the Let's Talk Hookup app, but the callers are the most important important thing. Being a caller, participating in the show, being one of the stars on the show is really something that we encourage. And that's the thing about Let's Talk Hookup is it's live. And so because it's live, we can do it, uh, do a call-in based talk show. And then if you don't have time to listen to it live, you can listen to the podcast. Yep. That's what I do. Listen yeah. to the podcast on those long, lonely nights uh, driving <laughs> up to Santa Barbara and Bakersfield. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing oh, all yeah. your hard work for CCA. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Chris and Wayne, for mm. all your hard work and all the things you guys do for CCA. I mean, we just wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for you and, and Wayne. And uh, and uh, having Kevin involved, too, uh, is really great uh, helping out. Um, uh, Kevin is a is a driving force. I mean, he's 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 a guy that kind of gets things done. And, and and there's a lot of people on the CCA board like Kevin that do a lot of stuff. I just talk about CCA. I don't I don't do a lot of the heavy lifting like you guys. Um, my job is kind of just to get the promotion out there. But there's a lot of guys on that CCA board and a lot of people at the uh, CCA um, different clubs that do a lot of things for fundraising and for helping you guys out. So I want to throw out a big thank you to all the people that help CCA. Oh, well, thank you, Pete. I mean, we all have, um, the best way to describe it, we all have our own roles. And, you know, your role in promoting CCA and all of our good stuff, we can't thank you enough for it, so thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah, for sure. Kevin, any last thoughts? Wow. <laughs> you know, I was looking forward to this one. I always look forward to every single week we do a podcast for CCA, but Pete's such a, a long-lasting part of this industry. He's literally the voice of sport fishing, and um, we're learning, you and I, mm -hmm. and I think that the more we, we get to do these shows, the better we're going to get at it. Um, to do 31 years would be an accomplishment, and you're going to probably outlast you us. Can, yeah. <laughs> you guys can do it. So we're, we're so happy to have Pete. Um, man, thank you so much for allowing us to be here on your boat. It's a wonderful, it's just wonderful being outside, to be honest with you. And, yeah. Uh, we do miss the SD Marlin Club. We will be back there, I'm sure. Um, but we, we definitely like being on the water. Um, we have great guests every single week, so please join us some, for more amazing guests and information over the next couple of months, years, however long we're going to do this, Chris. And uh, we are just going to do what we do. 
which is Absolutely. hopefully talk fish and catch fish. Yeah, speaking of catch fish, let's go, Pete. Let's go. Let's go, let's go fishing. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are very grateful to have you as a listener as well to the podcast. Don't forget to make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at CCA California. Also, go visit our website at www.ccacalifornia.org. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you guys next week. Take care, everyone. Bye.